Welcome to East Meets West, episode 413. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Roger Chang. It's hot, Roger. It's very hot. It's uh, hot temperature-wise, hot temperament-wise. Everything's hot. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to get tired of thinking about things. It does take up a lot of energy. <laughs> and it takes... I mean, you only have so much, I think mental slash emotional capacity to process stuff and yeah when you when you fill up that meter bar you're just like dude i'm just gonna chill out and zone by in my case playing a video game where i don't think too much mm. where all i do is slash slash jump jump yep slash slash i tend to zone out by watching a television program that ab- absorbs my attention yeah but the problem is if it's that a show like that would have to be very um detached from reality where i don't doesn't even make me kind of think about well this is a curse you have that i don't have which is you cannot look at a show and forgive anything no i it's especially shows that are set ostensibly in fact i would argue you not only can't forgive anything you look for things to not forgive and i don't mean like you do it on purpose. I mean, like you just naturally are like, well, I don't know if that's true. Even if it was true, right? Your your mind just kind of goes there. Is that fair? No, I wouldn't say like I, I seek out those things. Not, I, not intentionally, but like no, I, I mean, feel like your mind just kind of naturally heads if, that way. If if it if it flags something, that's one thing. But like seeking means like I'm consciously looking right, for right. those no, things. No, I, I think it's I'm subconscious, not. absolutely. But I, I, but I, I think you, you do latch onto things sometimes where I'm like, well, actually, that, that would be a way somebody works. But you're like, yeah, but I don't know if I buy it, right? Like, I mean, so so this is the thing. Like, Depending on the show, there is a level of verisimilitude where I can envelop myself and say, okay, I get it. For example, the, no, it's not a TV show, but a movie, The Matrix. There is a, there's a kind of defined set of rules that govern that fictional world that okay you know that that all jives with whatever but if it's something that and this is why this is why i try to i tend to gravitate if i watch do watch tv shows i tend to gravitate toward the more fanciful fantastic because the more detached it is from yeah what what seems to me like some variation on contemporary society that's when you know the subconscious like flag waving uh, or, or the flag, you know, thing. <laughs> you get so patriotic when you watch uh, dramas. <laughs> but so, I mean, like things like, you know, if I watch Star Trek, that's that's fine. If I, you know, because that is that is its own kind of, at least psychologically for me, uh, its own its its own kind of encased uh, self self regulating, you know, universe, the, for the lack of a better term, rather than say like Law and Order, which takes place ostensibly, you know. And the time period I live in, with all the you know, with all the related uh, legal uh, legal uh, uh, entrapments, I I agree, but for a different reason. Because uh, because for me, whether it's just a natural way my mind works, or it's because I intentionally train myself this way. Uh, and I think it's both. Uh, I think it's easier for me to train myself because I have a natural tendency. But I actively forgive parts of shows i actively be like yeah that's weird but i'm not going to let it ruin my my enjoyment of this because there's so much else that i enjoy 
so I tend to be very forgiving and, and therefore can watch a lot of different things and be absorbed by them because I I make headcanon for them, basically. I'm like, yeah, but that could be true if blah, 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 blah. And so I'm actively viewing. It's an act. It's an active viewing. It's not passive. It's not like I'm uncritical, but I am using my criticality to create a world in which I can enjoy more uh. stories. Well, uh, uh, what do you mean you don't know? I'm telling you what I do. That's There's no, I don't know about it. This is what I do. And where I was going with it is I also don't like the more realistic stuff, the more real world drama, more because it's real. And if I'm watching something, I want to be pulled away from reality. And the more the more the closer it is to actual experience, you know, like shows like Euphoria, uh, the then not not that I'm a, you know, Gen Z drug addict, but but the more real it is, the the less enjoyment I have about it and the less energy I have to provide that sort of like escape routes for things. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's something to be said. And I think this is why there's the enduring pop, uh, popularity of, of animation uh, for an adult audience, because the way, even if it's something say like ostensibly uh, critique on, on uh, a contemporary society, like say like family guy, Animation provides like a level of distance. I think that just, I think for me, just doesn't. It, you, everything about it is 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 uh, is made up, fictionalized. And it just, helps you over the hump of maybe of I guess things because like you're already hump. forgiving. Like, well, people don't actually look like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I I take it's like aha. Well, you know, most people don't have you know heads. You know, four times their body mass. Right. Most people uh, are not entirely bright yellow. But I still enjoy The Simpsons. But again, you know, I think that's I think that's partly why I mean, at least I why I enjoy it. Um, but you know, and I mean, you know, for for me, especially when I move into things like video games, there's a certain level of control, albeit albeit very synthetic and very a uh, 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 very you know sandboxed into whatever you know game world you are. But th- there is a there's an enjoyment and kind of a catharsis of like, oh, hey, I only want to build this. Like, say, if I'm playing uh-huh. Civilization, I only want to build this kind of city or I only want to do this kind of uh, these kinds of uh, missions in this particular first person shooter. You know, there's like, OK, I I have control, which, you know, sometimes I think people feel might feel a little disempowered or, or a little uh, 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 just, you know overwhelmed by by the situations in life and so i mean for me and i know i know at least one other person a colleague i used to work with it's like yeah we just you totally just immerse yourself in it and it allows you a little escapism allows your 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 mental faculties a you know a, a little breather while the other parts of your brain are figuring out you know which way to kill a zombie or 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 a demon I don't like video games as escapism as much because they start to feel like work. They start uh, to feel for me like I have to make decisions. I am in control. I don't want to be in control right now. I that that's my entire day. I'm making decisions and deciding on things and like I I need a break from that. I think that's why I prefer TV, movies and books because <laughs> I can still actively, I've trained myself to actively be a critical listener, viewer, 
but I don't make the decisions. I can I can relax that part of my brain and and be carried along by the story. Let me ask you a personal question, if I may. I showered this morning. Um, we all live with a certain level of anxiety, and uh, I know you do as well. But for example, in in my case, you know, I discussed this with my wife before. Like, if there's if there's something coming up, right? Whether it's the fact that, like, you know, right now I'm going through probate because my father-in-law recently passed, sure. and we have yeah, to do yeah, all this gotcha. stuff. For me. <laughs> One way I help work way, my way through stress mm-hmm. and anxiety, believe it or not, is washing dishes because it's something that's there that needs to be done and I can complete it. Yep. So mentally, but you don't I have can... to think hard about it. You already know how to wash dishes. It's yes. not like you're learning it for and, the first and time. And it's not yeah. difficult. It, it's pretty, it yeah, is pretty a ta- mechanical. Yeah. It, it's a chore, but uh-huh. when it's done, I can feel I've completed something. Mm-hmm. I've it's small. It's it's not in the in the bigger schemes of the of the of the universe and the world. That probably not not as meaningful. But for me, it's like I've completed something. It's like like vacuuming a room or finally you know dumping the garbage. It's it's a thing that had to be done, and I I've done it. And there's a little sense of gratification because I completed it. So what's your question? So I was going to ask you if you had some kind of go to when you felt kind of like just overwhelmed or stressed, like kind of a, like something that would not seem normally to be kind of released, but is a release. Watching TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Like I do get that sense of satisfaction from doing some vacuuming or, or, and I, I'm the one who keeps us up on the dishes. Uh, and, and I'm not throwing Eileen under the bus. She, she does the dishes quite often as well, but I am usually the one that gets to them because I want to get it out of the way. I want to make sure it's not sitting there looking at me going like, here's another task you need to do. That's how I see the dishes. That's how I see certain things. Like, I just want to get this done. There's a coffee cup in the, in the, in the sink. I'm going to wash it and get it out of there. Uh, or if it's dishwasher safe, stick it in the dishwasher. I'm going to make sure the dishwasher runs runs once a day so we're not behind. Those don't feel like escapes to me. They feel like tasks that need to be eliminated. And I feel good when I've eliminated it, which is why I keep up on them, uh, you know, doing laundry and all, all of that. But they're not escapes mm. for me. They, they are another in the list of things that I have to do. For me, escape is not having to make a decision, not having to do something, because that's all I do all day is make decisions and do things and execute. I, I need freedom from execution usually when I'm ready for my downtime. Have you thought about investing in a hammock? We have a hammock. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and and I lay in the hammock. You've seen the hammock. You have probably I? have it in the backyard in a, in, in a little while, yeah, actually. But uh, I lay in the hammock sometimes, probably not as often as I'd like. But even when I lay in the hammock, I get bored. So I tend to end up listening to podcasts or audiobooks while I lay in it to kind of keep my mind entertained. Mm, interesting. I guess, like, if you were stuck alone on the space station, you're... Your activities would be markedly different from mine as we <laughs> as we work through work through uh, 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 like you know whatever. Well, there, we would both have to do the things to maintain the space station. Yes, we then would. The question would be if those became things you had to do to maintain the space station, would they feel like escapes anymore? Or because you're on the space station and therefore don't have to worry about probate, <laughs> would would you have a different need to escape? 
Because I, I feel like what you were describing was there are so many things out of your control that you like, even if they're small things, things that you can control and complete to give you that sense because you're there's so many things you're waiting on others for. Like probate exactly. is a great example of that, exactly. right? But if you're on the space station, you might not have that same reaction. And maybe you'd have different things that would be an escape for you. It may be. Maybe like, you know, I'm completing someone else's, you know, science project or whatever just to just mm-hmm. to get it done. Like I can say like, oh, all right, and another one down on the giant, you know, chalkboard. I, yeah, I wonder if on a space station I would be more inclined to do projects to keep me from thinking about the fact that I can't go anywhere, right? And I guess we all sort of had that experience during lockdowns, um, or many, most of us did anyway. Uh, where we're like, well, we can't go anything anywhere. What are we going to do? And it's, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've often wondered that, like if we were, if we, if we were kind of, uh, uh, not maybe forced, but just kind of, uh, our only option was to live, you know, maybe not in isolation, but like whether, I don't want to say jail, but where you're, you're confined to a specific, you know, geographic area that is your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, for a very lengthy period of time, like like a year, but you would still get food and all that. But you just physically wouldn't be able to leave the the the, the compound, as it were. How would you keep yourself busy for for that length of time? And I can honestly say, if it weren't for the fact that there's the internet, I would go up the wall. Like just being able to hop online, look for information, or hop online. And play a multiplayer mm-hmm. game, or hop online, uh, and maybe learn something. I don't know, but this the the it's interesting because in 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 our society, we're contemporary society, we are at least very comfortable with the the notion that we should be able to get into our car, and if we have the funds, we should be able to get on the plane and go anywhere we want. We're not restricted like we were during COVID, and I've I've always wondered because like you know. Back in the back in the turn of the twentieth century, most people didn't really travel outside of their immediate town that they were born in. Like there, I was reading it was like in the BBC they were talking about a a, a a a British woman, a very elderly British woman who had never left more than eighty miles outside of where she was born. Like that was her entire radius of her life, and of her entirety of life, and she was like eighty something. And I'm wondering if people would be able to do that today or have we just had so many notions of being able to freely go somewhere very far away or even just, you know, a long distance away uh, without a second thought uh, and and just be like, OK, now you're just confined to your house or just maybe your neighborhood, neighborhood like to your cul-de-sac or whatever. Would people would would people okay i don't think they would yeah i I do think they would but it's a matter of expectation they would adapt humans are way more adaptable than we give them credit for we we tend to think that how we feel about situations right now will always be the way we handle situations and that ends up not being true uh when when conditions change humans are incredibly adaptable but one of the the insights i think i can bring to that is my grandparents both lived at the turn of the century and i remember my grandma in particular my grandpa was dead before i was born but my grandma in particular telling me stories about how for her they lived uh, i'm gonna say 60 miles from st louis for them traveling to st louis back then was like traveling to los angeles became for her in the 70s 
uh, and like traveling to London would be for us now um, because it was hard to do. It took time and it was far away. And because it took time and was far away and was hard to do, it felt as foreign, right? And yeah. and one of the one of the things people complain about now is like, oh, the whole world is becoming the same place. You find a McDonald's everywhere. It's like, yeah, because we can access it. We because we we are humans. We're not actually separated uh, by borders. We're we're separated by the flow of information and the and the speed at which we can visit each other. Uh, and so, if suddenly you couldn't travel and the expectation of travel went down and the ability to travel went down the places you could reach would feel more different and entertaining and novel and you would lose that expectation of like well i can i can't go there uh so i'm not even going to think about london i'm I'm not even going to think about los angeles i'm only going to think about my neighborhood and the 80 miles uh around it because that's all i can get to and i i really do think that Yes, it would be a, a, a huge disruption if people had to do that. And there, there's a lot of questions like, well, why would they have to do that and all that? But but I, I think people would adapt to that because I know that people used to feel that distance was longer than we feel it is now just, just because of the means of travel we have at our disposal. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh... It's I, I'm always it's things like that are I'm always curious about because I've I've seen people travel long distances but they always end up in the in the locations very familiar or seems very similar to where they just left um, in terms of like uh, the kind of the food or maybe the the the, the kind of entertainment I, I would argue probably most people don't travel very far we, we we have more people traveling far than we used to but I'll, I'll be honest I, I go back to my hometown and I talk to people and maybe they've gone to like New York once they've probably gone to Chicago once. Uh, and, and some of them haven't even done that. Like going overseas is something that only a few people do. And it's seen as kind of an elitist thing to do like, Oh, lucky you, you get to travel abroad or something they're afraid to do. Like, Oh, I'd be afraid to go abroad. You know, the languages are different and there's terrorists and blah, blah, blah. You know, fears that may or may not even be valid I, but but people it, people have that fear i i would argue that fewer people travel than we think you know it, it's interesting you bring that up because um when uh when i when i was dating my wife one of the first things we did together like in a as a trip was we went to hawaii uh-huh. and it's just like oh i love it i've you know i've always wanted to go to hawaii it's like well why don't you go before it's like it's not that expensive and uh-huh. you know for from the bay area to fly out to hawaii it's like round trip is like uh less than 400 bucks and it's like i don't know like it's like because mm-hmm. psychologically for her yeah, it, yeah. it was like but it's like but the cost there's no cost you know hurdle there's there's all these things it's you know i mean, I mean there just, might be a cost hurdle for some people but you're well, saying so for her that wasn't it yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. it's you know it's like it's totally doable in fact it costs just as much for you to go visit your parents that you do every year as it is. Mm-hmm. It's actually cheaper to go to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's and I was just saying, like, you know, I think I think you a lot of it's kind of reminding me, like some people have a mental block, right? Because yeah. Yeah. if you've grown up with thinking that like certain places are are inaccessible or accessible on a limited basis, um, like I'm going to the Bahamas or I'm going to the I'm going to Hawaii. It, it sounds like exotic tropical yeah. locations that have used to be like that's your dream vacation because that's what you win on the wheel of fortune and very few people win the wheel of fortune so it must be like a very 
very exciting. And uh, it wasn't that long ago that it was very difficult to get to Hawaii or or even the Bahamas, you know, before plane travel became regular and fast. And all that. I mean, uh, my, my wife's, uh, my brother-in-law at one time was a little astonished when she told him, it's like, yeah, we got like a, a, a three day, you know, we, we got this like limited pass to, to Disneyland. And so you could go multiple times, mm-hmm. you know, for the same price. And it says, well, what do you mean multiple? It's like, yeah, like, yeah, we've been like, you know, three or four times in the past six months. It's like, what do you mean? That's like for him, because yeah. he was yeah, yeah. Massachusetts. It's one of those things you do once, maybe twice in your life. Not, but not like three times in six months. You know, like for him, it was just like, you know, that's that's not how that's, that's not extravagant. How that that's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, it's super cheap if you're local and you get in an hour earlier before the, they open to the public. It's great. Right. I, I I do think there's, uh, I, I, from my own perspective, when I was young, the idea of traveling from Southern Illinois to Kentucky or Ohio or or the Ozarks in Missouri, uh, the those were 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 amazing. Like we were seeing a whole other part of the world. Uh, and then when I got, I got into college, and and for those who don't know the geography, you're you're talking like a hundred miles in any particular direction to get to those places. But we never went to Chicago. Then I got into college and I went up to Chicago and it was the big city. St. Louis was the city, but Chicago was a big city. And I was driving on these interstates with all these cars and it was, it was intimidating. And then I got out of college and I had an internship and I moved to Virginia and I was living in Washington, DC, the capital. And it had places that showed up in movies, not that Chicago kind of didn't either, but, but DC more often. And it was more iconic and all of that. And I felt like, wow, I've really, I've really done it. I've traveled the world. I went to DC. <laughs> which sounds ridiculous but it's really how i felt and and honestly i went to places that i could drive that really is what i did and then when i moved to texas i would originally drive home and it would take 15 hours to get from austin to, to greenville and then i started to you know have just enough money to be able to get these cheap fares to fly and i started making flying a regular thing and i i was kind of afraid of flying but I got over it because I did it more often. And then flying became a thing like, well, I could fly to I could fly to uh, to San Francisco and I could visit my friend who lives out. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to go all the way to San Francisco. Moving to San Francisco was a huge deal. I was frightened to death of moving to San Francisco because it was California it was so far away and it was this weird place and it was different. Uh, and, I, and I researched San Francisco and knew all the history to prepare myself. I feel hilarious thinking about my mindset going from Austin to San Francisco now, because then I moved from San Francisco to LA, which wasn't even that long ago. And I remember thinking like, well, this is a bigger move for me. This is, this is going to LA. Like this is, this is one of the big, this is like next to living in New York, right? It's one of the biggest places in the United States. And then concomitant with all of that sort of starting when I lived in San Francisco and and married Eileen, we started traveling abroad. And I remember I loved going to London. I went to London with my friend in, in Austin in the 90s, and that was kind of intimidating, but they spoke English. But she, but Eileen wanted to go to Spain, and I was like, yeah, but we don't... I mean, I guess I speak a little Spanish. That's not too bad. The language barrier was huge, and I remember going to Italy and just being intimidated by, like, I should really learn Italian. I should be able to talk. Now we've gone to Japan. We've gone to Korea. I've learned that pretty much English is a universal language to get you by. Not everybody speaks it, but enough people speak a little bit of it that I'm I'm at an advantage. And it's not, it doesn't have to be like cultural hegemony to, to speak English. Like English is kind of 
moved beyond being a, a U.S. or or England specific thing and, and become this sort of token language. And that if you attempt to try to learn the language of the nation you're vid- visiting at all, most people will really appreciate that. And you can get we're all humans and you can get around. I, I was so frightened to go to Japan and Korea the first time because I'm like, it's entirely different. Uh, they don't speak English as much. I, you know, I'm going to stand out uh, very clearly a, a, a tourist and it was fine. So it's it's the experience that gets you over that. But a lot of people just can't or don't take those experiences to to get them past that psychological barrier that you're talking about. I mean, when I when I went overseas, the first time I went overseas, I was a baby, so I don't remember any. Of yeah, it. yeah. Uh, but like, my, all my first, all, all my trips initially through high school overseas was to visit relatives in Taiwan. So. Mm-hmm. To me, it was it wasn't a big trip. It was just like I'm gonna go see my relatives. Uh, as soon as yeah, I hook yeah. up my relatives, I don't need which to, normalizes it. Yeah, yeah that's I don't need to worry about anything. Right. But when I went to Australia and we'll talk about knowing English, I was I was visiting my girlfriend at the time, and you know I knew they spoke spoke the language, but I think the biggest fear I had were the laws. Like, am uh. I gonna I like I tried to research laws, and I was like, am I gonna am I gonna <laughs> do something that right. I that, that's completely uh uh. Uh, but completely it's normal, normal in US. the U.S., but it's like yeah. verboten in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, ah, and that was the thing that I that that always worried me. Like I'm already used to being like sticking out, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was that was less of an issue. But I was just like, oh man, like especially going through customs by myself. It's like, oh, you know, before when it like when I went through Taiwan, my family was waiting for me, so it wasn't it, yeah. w- it wasn't that onerous. But like getting from Getting through the airport and then finding transportation to where my girlfriend was, it's like, oh, that's the big one. Like, it's not as simple as, okay, I can, I know where to pick up. Uh, yeah. I, I can't just pick up a cab because it's like literally 95 miles away. I need to get on a charter bus, all these things. But after I did it the first, uh, the first time, it really smoothed things over because you understood how things worked, at least for that country. Well, and, um, and you start, the more t- countries you travel to, I found out, for me anyway, the more you realize that there's always a way, right? They, even even if things mess up and you you have the wrong information, there's always a way. It's it's rare that you're gonna get stuck with like I just like there's nowhere to go. Like there's somebody's gonna be able to help you. Somebody's gonna be able to figure out something, and you'll get there. To me, preparation is more about making things faster, right? Than it is when when I was. Earlier in my traveling, it was about, you know, like avoiding disaster. Uh, and I, I don't have that mindset as much. Yeah, I think, honestly, the most intimidating, it's weird that you think the most intimidating trip I ever took was actually to New York. Because I had a lot of things in my head about what New York was. And um, some of it was true. But yeah. some of it was just kind of a played up uh, uh, pop pop culture version of New York, right? Like, yeah. The New York in my head was the 1970s, 1980s. No, totally. I was the same way the first time I went to New York, too. And people were pretty gruff, but yeah. what I found out is pe- that's just how people were. But most of them were actually quite helpful and very friendly. Yeah. And it, it was at very odds at, like, the the kind of, like, the stern demeanor of, like, you know, what do you want me to do about it kind yeah. of attitude. Um and I, uh, I found well, it. Or the crime, like, oh, the you know, crime. the crime-ridden New York of the 70s is like, well, it's... 
it probably was never as bad as it looked on television dramas anyway. And it certainly wasn't like that. I, first time I went to New York was in the late 90s. It was still crimier than it is now. And it wasn't nearly as bad as I expected. I, I You know, it's weird because the first time I went to go see my cousin. But after that, I went like five more, five or six more times for work. And each time it just felt more and more familiar. Yeah. Like where it's like, okay... I'm midtown. I'm going to go here for lunch or, Mm -hmm. you know, I got to go up to Columbus circle. I'm going to take this train uptown. Totally. You know, all these things suddenly, and it's weird. As soon as you become acclimated to it, you feel a lot more comfortable. Things become easier. Um, and you know, you, you begin to understand at least what the local, what the local, uh, uh, norms are. Yeah. The, the local norms are in terms of like, for example, I when I the first time I went to New York was February. Didn't realize it was freezing, mm-hmm. so I didn't have a beanie or, or 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 mitts or a scarf, and I was like, "Crap, I'm freezing. I need a, <laughs> I need a beanie, scarf, and mitts." And that's what I did. But you know, it's it, 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 there was a bit of a shift, but you no, know, I, I managed. I went to all the I went to all the things. It felt kind of weird being the only single person like at the top of the Empire State Building. It's like, but um. <laughs> It it was a very it was a very interesting learning experience. Also, I really enjoyed the fact that I didn't need to rent a car. Like you know, when oh, I yeah. visited Texas, I've always had to rent a car, yep. or I've I've, I've uh, pretty much uh, almost everywhere you go in the United States. Maybe you can get around in Chicago without a car, depending on what you want to do. But yeah, New York, you 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 better off not renting a car. Yeah, and it's so easy. It's like stupid's easy. And I mean, yeah, you know, some of the some of the subway stops kind of stink, but well, it was funny. The first time I went to New York, we drove. Uh, it, it was a trip that, that me and 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 this woman I knew uh, decided to do spur of the moment, uh, and we parked in New Jersey because we didn't want to take the car into Manhattan and have to deal with it. So we found a long term parking in New Jersey and then took the train into Manhattan. Oh yeah, the path Port yeah. Port Authority Trans Hudson. Yeah, that train is that train is interesting, especially when you go in with the morning rush, with the with the uh, 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 not the you know I guess commuters with the uh, commuters yeah commuters, commuters. but like literally like there are all sorts of people there. There are people in suits, people in scrubs, you know, bike messenger people. Like it was a very very diverse uh, slice of which of the. If if you're listening in a in a country that that has proper transportation uh, or nor you know regular transportation, you might be like, well, yeah, that's what commuters look like. But you have to remember that most places in the U.S., if there is public transportation, it's usually a bus, not a train, and it's usually for people who can't afford to drive themselves, or you know, or or don't have the ability to drive, and so you don't get that that kind of diverse situation that you're describing, Roger, where it's like, wow, everybody takes the train. here. Well, and it was like really cool. It was like nice because I felt, I didn't felt like, I just felt like I blended in. Mm -hmm. I'm just another, you know, schlub going to getting off on 24th. It's a little like that in San Francisco, at least downtown. It was back in the 2000s. I I will say it's, it depends on whether you're taking the Muni, the Muni streetcar system Mm -hmm. or you're taking BART because I've noticed those tend to be a, a not not totally different, but but noticeably different group of people because Bart carries a lot of people from out of the city, while mm. uh, Muni takes just yeah. But city. it's still a fairly diverse yeah. type, you know. It's a socioeconomic oh, strata definitely. on both. But I think. you know, it, in both cases, in New York and San Francisco, I mean, like having a card in some ways is kind of a penalty more mm-hmm. than it is a benefit because. You got to find parking, and it's a pain in the ass. And especially depending on where you live, 
you got to get home before a certain time before all the street parking's taken off, uh, taken up. And I, 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 there are very few places that I can say that have that have even down in LA where people. So I hear sometimes people complain about parking. It's like, what are you, what are you complaining about? <laughs> you just you just park and walk two blocks. And for some people, that's two yeah. bucks. Well, it's all park. relative, right? Yeah. It's like when I go to Austin. I think I heard Justin Robert Young uh, joking about this the other day on one of his shows. But you go to Austin, and people complain about the horrible traffic. And I, I get it because I left Austin in 1999 and the traffic is way worse than it was in 1999. So for them, for most people in Austin, it's like the traffic has been getting worse. I can't believe how bad the traffic is. That's totally true and totally fair. But when you compare it to Los Angeles, you're like, yeah, this isn't that bad. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like I only slowed down once. I didn't even I, stop. I am forever grateful that my job allows me to work from home because I have had to sit in la rush hour traffic to get to a doctor's appointment or pick up my kids yeah yeah. and it is no fun it, it isn't thank goodness for ways it's like hot knife through butter oh yeah and surface streets like if you were stuck yeah. to that was the only way to get somewhere i would claw my eyes out well don't let roger claw his eyes out uh continue to listen to east meets west at subrillion.com slash emw hopefully all of your eyes are right where they belong right roger Yes, right right where they need to be. Right in there your in the sockets they were born in. You know, your eyes don't grow. Your eyes are, you're born with the eyes. The eyes are Based on the size of my kids' eyes, I agree with that. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye.